Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Gradcracker webinar where I'm excited to be joined by CERN. CERN is a European organisation for nuclear research where engineers and physicists and many more types of people use the world's largest and most complex scientific instruments to study the fundamental particles and concepts of our universe. CERN has advertised on Gradcracker for the last six years and are also a proud sponsor of the Gradcracker Toolkit. Ladies, you've got one to hold up. Yay! <laughs> thank, you. thank you very much. Um, so today we're going to be hearing about how you, our STEM students, could end up working for a place like nowhere else on Earth. Thank you, Priscilla. Like nowhere else on Earth, so let's jump in. Firstly, let's start by meeting Barbara and Priscilla. So Priscilla joined us on the last webinar, so familiar face. Um, so Barbara, I'm going to start with you. Tell us all about your role at CERN. Uh, thanks for having us, uh, first of all. And no um, yeah, so I started my journey at CERN as an administrative student, and now I'm an origin graduate, as we call them. Um, and I work in, in talent acquisition with Priscilla. Um, so, you know, next to all our various uh, operational recruitment tasks, um, like looking at uh, applications and doing interviews and so on, um, I also do outreach and employee branding, so in specific um, for the UK and Israel, but of course not limited to. Um, and then I'm also involved in various onboarding activities, like welcoming all our newcomers uh, every month. Perfect. So you will be a familiar face as well, Barbara. So thank you for that. And Priscilla, remind everybody about who you are and what you do. Sure. So I've been working at CERN for the last five years under the talent acquisition team. And my role is quite varied and has been changing a little bit across the years. But essentially, I'm here to attract uh, candidates, especially students and recent graduates, to join our organization. So I work together with Barbara in various social media campaigns in, a dif in different member states. My focus right now for sourcing, so to, to reach out to students, it's mainly Sweden, but I support other countries as well. Uh, administrative recruitment activities and uh, statistics together with Barbara for a lot of different uh, programs that we hire students, graduates and professionals to, uh, uh, to, to CERN. So yeah, it's varied. Perfect, lovely, thank you. And for those of you who are watching who doesn't know who CERN is, Priscilla, tell us what CERN does. Sure, so CERN is the European Laboratory for Particle Physics and our primary activity is to study the smallest building blocks of matter and explore the fundamental forces that shapes our universe. But how is smashing particles at high speed using a succession of machines in the CERN accelerator, uh, accelerator complex, which ends uh, in the large, with the Large Hydron Collider, our most famous accelerator? At CERN, we refer to the Large Hydron Collider as the fastest racetrack on the planet, where trillions of protons race uh, around the inside the 27-kilometer ring uh, collider in opposite directions over 11,000 times per second, which uh, the STEM audience out there knows quickly that the, the, the protons are traveling very close to the speed of light. Yeah. So <laughs> CERN aims to uncover the mysteries of the universe by investigating the properties and behaviors of subatomic uh, particles such as bosons, uh, protons, neutrons, and by doing so, push to unravel 
unraveling uh, questions about the nature of uh, matter, the origins of the universe, and the enigmatic uh, dark matter that, that fills the universe. But do not worry, you do not have to be a physicist, have three PhDs, a Nobel Prize to come and <laughs> join us. So um, we are located in the border between Switzerland and France in Geneva. And we are also an international community. We are formed by uh, 23 member states, 10 associate member states, many other countries around the globe that contribute to CERN in, in different ways. 9,000 9, people uh, are on site on average every day. It ranges from students, diplomats, famous people too. So last week we had uh, Brian Cox at CERN. Yeah, re recording the the infinite uh, monkey cage, and I had a picture of him. So this is so oh, cool. Oh, that is cool. So very <laughs> obviously, awesome. you'll have to send us that. And yeah, yeah, to make her. you envy, to make you. All <laughs> yeah, envy. Oh, that's brilliant. So yeah, essentially, CERN is where curiosity takes center stage, and so stay tuned, all the students out there, to learn how can you, uh, how can you join CERN. Wow, what an introduction. Thank you very much, Priscilla. So what we're going to do now is speak to Barbara. So Barbara's going to tell us all about the student and graduate opportunities which you currently have advertised on your hub on Gradcracker. Yeah, with pleasure. Um, so there's quite quite a few. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to start with the, the student opportunities and, and with that, the technical student uh, program that we have. And um, this program is kind of like an internship or placement year um, program. Um, so you can join CERN any, anywhere in between four to 14 months in total. Um, and of course, um, the longer you stay, the higher the chances are a bit because um, our hiring managers and supervisors, of course, they don't want to um, train a new student every month or so. Um, but uh, we have many projects that are like four months long as well. So um, there's something there for, for all preferences, I would say, or availabilities. Yeah, and that's student program, so it's open to all of uh, to all nationals um, of our um, member and associate member states. Uh, so Priscilla mentioned we have twenty three member states and ten associate member states. So there's uh, quite a collection. Um, and then you uh, have to have completed eighteen months or three semesters of undergraduate studies um, at the selection time. Um, and um, we published a technical studentship in six different vacancies. So there's six different domains um, that we kind of summarize. Um, so there's IT, mathematics and robotics, civil engineering, uh, mechanical engineering, electronics engineering, and so on. Um, so again, uh, they're all published on, on Gradcracker. Um, and then you can just kind of read through um, what they entail and, and pick the best one. And of course, if you're um, eligible and, and uh, qualified for more than one field, then of course, apply to, to more at the same time so that's uh, also possible um, yeah. and we get that quite a lot yeah. Um, and yeah so um, that's a program that's open at the moment until the 11th of March um, yeah. so there's still a bit of time but of course it takes a while to put together your application and then also gather all the documents you need so for example you need um, ACV and a transcript but then also a recommendation letter by your university professor or tutor um, and that can take a bit of time so make sure um, yeah, to yeah. plan ahead. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, um, this is, uh, we're probably not going to have the audience for this, but we also have the administrative student program, which is very similar for administrative background uh, people. If you have any friends that want to come along um, yeah. to CERN with you, that's possible. Um, and then uh, 
the last uh, student opportunity um, is a summer student program, which is open until the end of January. Mm -hmm. So this is a bit uh, shorter. So it's anywhere between uh, eight and 13 weeks. And it involves more than just uh, an internship, I would say. So we usually welcome 300 students from all nationalities. So last year we had 96 different nationalities in this program. Wow. Um, and the students are all at CERN at the same time. They work on projects. Um, they go to lectures that are organized especially for them, uh, where we have lecturers from all over the world, um, visits, workshops, after work events, and so on. And most of them stay at our CERN hostel, so on sites, and they all stay in the same building. Oh, and cool. um, that's quite cool. Go yeah. camping on the summer, yeah. uh, on the on the weekends and so on. Definitely um, life there then as well, haven't you? And the all meet up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really cool program. Um, and um, as for graduates, um, we currently have the origin program open. So for early career professionals, um, which is anywhere in between six months and 36 months. Um, so you can stay up to three years in that program. And most uh, positions are open for one to two years, I'd say. So that's uh, the preference uh, from CERN supervisors. And uh, if you're about to graduate or if you have graduated recently, then that's uh, the program for you. Um, so you can have a max maximum of two years of work experience. Um, and um, since your latest degree, so for example, if you have a bachelor's degree, worked in between, then you have a master's degree, then we start counting from the most recent relevant um, degree. Okay. Um, and yeah, if you don't have any work experience yet, that's no problem at all. And, uh, you know, CERN is here to, to train uh, talent as well. Um, so we don't, as Priscilla said, we don't expect you to have a Nobel Prize. Um, you can come to CERN um, from the beginning on. And um, this program is currently open, but only till tomorrow. So um, that's quite, um, would be very spontaneous, but uh, we do open it again in March. So um, for those students or recent graduates that are interested, uh, don't worry. Um, it's going to be back pretty soon. Yeah. And then, of course, um, yeah. We have um, other programs for more um, experienced graduates as well. So, for example, the Quest program is for master's and PhD graduates um, yeah. with two to six uh, years of experience. Perfect. I was just going to go on and ask you about the PhD opportunities. So just so everybody understands what, what where you're coming from then, Barbara. So on GradCracker at the moment, you've got your undergraduate opportunities. You've also got your graduate opportunities and opportunities for master's and PhD level students. So make sure after this webinar, you go to the CERN Hub on GradCracker and get your applications in and give them a quick follow as well to be alerted when the new opportunities open, like Barbara said, in March. Thank you very much, Priscilla and Barbara. So what we're going to do now is move on and meet the grads. So we've got Leah, Sonia and Lauren all found the jobs um, through GradCracker at CERN. Um, so Jess, over to you. Brilliant. Thanks, Carla. Um, OK, so what we want to find out first is where you went to university, what you studied and when you joined CERN. So Leah, I will come to you first, if that's OK. Cool. Uh, hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to sharing my experience so far working at CERN. So my background, I study physics at the University of Oxford, and I finished my second year of undergrad last summer and then took a year out to come work as a technical student at CERN. So as Barbara mentioned, I'm doing like a 12-month technical studentship in applied physics, and I started last July. Perfect. Lovely intro. Thank you very much for that, Leah. Um, Sonia, going to come to you next, if that's okay. Same question. 
Oh, love you. I'm mute. Sorry, let me start. No? Okay. <laughs> uh, so um, I went to Queen Mary University in London and I finished my master's in artificial intelligence. And before that, I did a bachelor's in computer science. And so I joined CERN in September as a graduate in the early career professional program, uh, which was the origin one. Perfect. And Sonia, I can't wait to hear your story because, you know, for some computing students might not necessarily think, you know, they can have a career at CERN, you know, might think that CERN are only recruiting from, you know, kind of science and engineering background. So I'm really looking forward to hearing more about you and uh, why CERN and the the role that you're involved in now. So thank you very much for that. And Laura, last but not least, um, yeah, if you could just introduce where you went to university, what you studied and when did you join CERN? Um, yeah, so I went to the University of Exeter. And I did an integrated master's in physics um, and I'm also part of the origin program. Uh, so I'm a graduate. Perfect. Good stuff. Thanks, Laura. OK, so as we say, we want to hear more about your journeys um, at CERN so far. Why CERN? And um I am just so excited to be speaking to you. I love speaking to, um, you know, doing this webinar every year. I get so excited. I'm like a little girl. I'm like, oh, damn it, damn it, damn it. Is it, is it as good as you can imagine it to be working at CERN? So I want to hear all the gossip. I want to know what's been going on and what are you up to? So, Leah, I'm going to come to you first. What is life like at CERN? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's really, really great. So I started like six months ago. And yeah. like looking back, I remember when I first started, like I was thinking, ah, oh, a year away from my family and friends, it's going to be like really long. It's going to be hard. Um, and I was really nervous when I started, you know, like being immersed in a completely different country and mm-hmm. working at like a famous like institute. I didn't want to mess anything up. Um, <laughs> but honestly, it's been like anything but stressful and scary. Like it's been like the people here are really lovely and they help you settle in. They have like lots of like introduction sessions, um, which I assume Barbara's working on, like the Connecting Dots events. And like they let you meet people who are in the same situation as you, which is what I really needed. Like, you know, do you feel like a sort of like um, you feel like at home with these people? Mm-hmm. And then so in the past six months, um, I've worked on some really cool projects. So I come from a physics background. So obviously I love everything to do with physics and being at CERN is an absolute dream of mine. Um, so in the six months, I spent the first few months probably just, you know, really catching up on what CERN actually does, how they're operating. So I sat in on a lot of meetings, you know, at the start, it was very confusing, you know, lots of like words, mm-hmm. a lot of things I've never heard about. But yeah. as the as the weeks went by, I learned a lot more, mm-hmm. which is really nice. So now I have a bit more confidence when it comes to, you know, trying out different approaches and like uh, speaking up my ideas when it comes to meetings. Yeah. Um, and then finally, I've also signed up and trained to be a CERN guide, which I think is really, really cool. Oh, that's a good idea. For those yeah. of you who, yeah. For those of you who do come, I definitely recommend it. Um, they like put a lot of effort in organizing these great workshops and training you guys. Mm-hmm. And here you get the opportunity to like not only share your passion for physics, but also get to visit like a lot of the cool experiments and detectors. So yeah. I want to go like underground and like see all of the cool experiments, see where the magic at magic is at. And um, yeah, it's been really, really good. So, Leah, you've all got kind of similar pictures behind you, um, but I, I really do love your background because it does give you an idea of, of what the actual environment is like. So yeah. have you walked down the tunnel and, and into the tunnel? So you're actually in the the um, Hadron Collider there, aren't you? Is that right? 
Yeah, so behind me, physically sat there. Obviously, no, you're not. (laughs) Yeah, it would be cool if I was. But um, so this is the LHC tunnel. So I haven't been in the LHC tunnel because the people who go there usually work on the magnets and things. Right. So I've gone down to the experiments where, like, the um, which are the detectors that surround the the beam pipes at certain points, and they record where the collisions happen. So hopefully in the future, if you get a chance to go to the tunnels, because like, yeah. looking back, it's really cool, yeah, um, just... but not not yet. Not yet. That's fine. It's on, it's on the to-do list. So Leah, yeah. it sounds as though um, I always mention the word responsibility in these webinars, because again, I think a lot of these employers that we speak to, and especially saying by the sounds of it, they're giving you the responsibility. You get in kind of, um, you know, fully kind of engrossed in these projects. You get involved to um, speaking to, you know, lots of different people. And it sounds as though they're giving you that responsibility. It sounds like you, you felt that you, you, you handed projects, you, you're networking and you're really kind of engrossed in the, in the process, even this early stage of, of the placement. Yeah, absolutely. I was really surprised actually. Like when I first started, like, my supervisor, she's really lovely. Like she was always like keeping contact with me, seeing how I was getting on. And once yeah. I, I was feeling a bit more confident, she immediately started putting me on like the actual yeah. projects. And she told me how they would fit in with the rest of like the timeline of how the group wanted to get things done. And like yeah. I could see very clearly like this is what I need to do. And it's for this reason. And like I would like, you know, it was basically up to me to figure out the best solution to fix this problem or to solve this part, which I thought was really, really like cool. Yeah. And do you know what you made a nice comment there as well that you know you've got um that contact that almost would catch you if you if you if you're gonna fall or not put you in a situation where if you weren't confident enough. So it must be nice to have that person where you can reach out, ask questions and have, you know, a familiar face. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good stuff. Perfect. Well, thank you, Leah. Sonia, I'm gonna come to you. Um, if you could let us know what's your journey so far been like as um yeah, sure. So I joined, so as I mentioned, in September last year, and mm-hmm. um, I work as a graduate software developer, um, and I'm part of the uh, RF group, which is Radio Frequency uh, Group at CERN, and yep. um, Ood. And within my team, we are, we specialize in building and maintaining the um, superconducting cavities that are fitted around the accelerators. And these are what are responsible for accelerating the particles uh, in the accelerators for the experiments. Okay. And uh, yeah, and so my project is uh, focused on finding defects in the inner surface of the RF cavity. And um, it's about designing a software system that can process a large amount of images that we've retrieved from a robotic acquisition system. And uh, merging these images together and then identifying defects, um, such as using exploring the use of machine learning in this instance and um, trying to visualize this information in a useful graphical user interface. And, that sounds amazing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, just to go back a step. So why CERN? Obviously, you know, you made, is it artificial intelligence that you, um, you know, had your interest in when you're at university? You know, why did you decide to apply to CERN in the first place? What was the initial attraction for you? Um, first, it's, uh, I guess it's a research environment. And I really like the idea of contributing to something uh, useful in that sense. And yeah. Um, and also the project uh, really piqued my curiosity because um, I was studying an artificial intelligence degree and I wanted to kind of continue um, developing uh, my career in that field. And yeah. it just seemed like an interesting um, 
area to apply AI in. Um, even though I don't have much of a physics background, I thought it would be kind of interesting to see how uh could apply AI in this very niche uh, area. Um, Yeah. so yeah, I think that was the, the main reasons why I applied. And Sonia, did you feel by not having a physics background, you know, when you put your application in, did you feel a, a disadvantage at all? Was you a bit more nervous? You know, anyone that's listening that's, you know, similar to yourself, what advice would you give to them? Um, yeah, initially I was probably a bit nervous about like not knowing enough physics to sort of fit in this type of environment. Yeah. But um, I think that that's completely not true since joining. Um, I've had a really good experience. Um, I work in a lobby team where, who are also physicists and engineers, um, but everyone's really approachable to ask questions and um, I help each other out. And so I've not had this issue. of um, feeling that I couldn't understand anything what's going on sort of thing. And um, and I find that after sort of three months on, uh, naturally my knowledge is sort of improved and I feel like I, I have a bit more understanding of how these systems work, um, which is also like an added bonus. Um, Absolutely. So you've mentioned a bit kind of what life is like now for you and the, and the, the project that you're working on. So tell us a bit kind of your day to day. Um, how often do you run these experiments? How often do you get to make those changes? Um, tell us how that works. Okay, sure. Um, so I don't um actually I'm not actually part of any of the experiments uh, Okay. at CERN. Um, my day to day is I work um with my team quite closely and it's quite informal with us. We normally meet in the morning for like a coffee to catch up and discuss about work and other <laughs> other work stuff. So it's quite nice that it's quite casual in that sense. Um. And so uh, at this stage of the project, I'm collaborating quite close with the robotics team. Um, and uh, we are sort of in the process of retrieving um, the images that they have taken off the RF cavity. So they've constructed a robotic arm with a camera attached and it goes inside the cavity and it's able to take these images of the inner surface of the RF cavity. And it's quite a huge. So each image image set is composed of about twenty thousand images, which is approximately one terabyte of data. So uh, part of my challenge is to sort of process this huge information of data, um, and then try to uh, find useful information that is meaningful to us. So in our case, we're interested in finding defects, and um, yeah, and so it's sort of doing a lot of data analysis. is kind of part of my role at the moment and uh, uh, trying to present this information in a meaningful manner. So what then happens on if you do find a defect, what would that then entail? It's quite uh, useful for the quality assurance of the RF cavity that we produce. So Yeah. right now um, it's quite difficult to know what's inside an RF cavity. So it's quite interesting to the RF community in general to see okay, what type of defects, and if we're able to categorize them, uh, it's added information for them um, as part of their quality checks in that process of things. Yeah, makes sense. Perfect. Thank you so much, Sonia. We're going to come back to you a little bit later on and find out a bit more about the team and everything else. So thank you so much for that introduction. I know we delved a bit there. Um, Laura, I'm going to come to you. Similar kind of question. Uh, what should Jenny have been so, uh, like so far? Um, Yeah, so it's been really good and I've enjoyed it a lot so far. Um, I only started in October. Um, so up until now, um, I've 
basically just been um helping my supervisors on some projects so I can get the hang of what my day-to-day job is and will be um and also settling in um Mm -hmm. obviously moved to Geneva for this job um and also I work with a team that um is mostly French speaking so I've been also taking French lessons oh fantastic Um, but yeah um it's been a lot of data analysis similar to Sonia um working in the lab and uh learning what all the equipment is and what it's for Mm. and um just getting used to the idea of I guess running experiments yeah working on projects maybe more independently than I did at university So, so Laura, if you don't mind me asking, I like this question, but you know, why CERN? Obviously, I know why CERN, because CERN to me is like the pinnacle if you were a STEM student. But for you, why CERN? Why did you make the decision? And um, yeah, what's it been like for you? Um honestly, kind of the same. Um my mum was really into CERN all while I was okay. growing up. So I grew up learning about CERN and like what an amazing place it is and um just to me, it's always been this really famous yeah. scientific research center. Um, and for me, it's actually kind of like a dream job. Um, I've always wanted to work at CERN. Yeah. Um, I wasn't entirely sure that I ever would be working at CERN, just because, as I said, it was like the pinnacle of yeah. <laughs> the field kind of thing. But um, honestly, it's been really good. Um, similar to the other two, my supervisors have been very helpful, my coworkers have been really helpful, answered questions when I've had them, even if maybe, you know, with a physics degree and like this job, I would be expected to know certain Mm -hmm. things. Like they're not, they don't make me feel bad if I have to ask a question that I should know kind of thing or, and it's nice to just be in an environment where everyone's really happy to share their work and is really excited about the stuff that they do. Yeah. I can imagine that. Mm. So, um, Laura, tell us a bit more about kind of your day-to-day, uh, what life is like. So, um, obviously, you've said a lot, you know, since October, it's kind of more about, and last few webinars, I keep saying the word onboarding, but, you know, kind of getting used to um, life um, at CERN. So, kind of onboarding process, what's what's it kind of entailed? What's your kind of day-to-day looking like? Um, So, I've been helping my supervisors on some projects um so some people might have heard of AMS which is one of the experiments that is at CERN um I have been helping one of my supervisors um with some sensors on that um and we actually I've already had a work trip to Italy for that um and it's just been a lot of data analysis from that project yeah um I've also um as I said, I've just been uh, used to life. Yeah, it's getting fun. used to life, getting used to living here, and doing a uh, bit of skiing. We talked about everyone that's listening. We did. We talked before this webinar. Before we went live, what we're doing this weekend? Laura's going to do a bit of skiing, aren't you? Uh, yeah, the weekend. <laughs> it's uh, quite surreal just being able to go at the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> and just 
do what you want to do. It sounds amazing. So thank you so much, Laura, for that introduction. Leah, I'm going to come back to you and just want to delve a bit deeper on um, and go real technical on me because there's going to be people listening that want to hear the juicy stuff and it's going to go well over my head, but absolutely go for it and tell us a bit more about the projects that you've been working on so far. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Um, so I'm working in the Burrell Group, which stands for the Beam Radiation Instrumentation and Luminosity. And our job is to basically provide to CMS, which is the experiment I'm working in, the luminosity. And what luminosity is, is the number of collisions in the detector per second. So if you imagine what the LHC does is they collide bunches of protons together. They basically just continuously do this. And in each bunch, there are 100 billion protons. And then when they collide, you expect like a lot of them to collide. But because protons are so small, you only end up with like around 60 per collision actually colliding. So what my group does is it basically is trying to detect or count how many collisions are happening because that number is very important for determining some other like important physical properties. Yeah. And so my particular job is working on the design and upgrade of the new subdetector that will be doing this, okay. um, which is really exciting. Um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that needs to be done, and I'm sort of just going around, and, and whenever someone needs something to be done, I'm there. So. Pick me, I want to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a fun. So, in terms of um, kind of the future then of CERN, because obviously Priscilla and Barbara, I don't know if you want to add to this as well. There's a lot of exciting future plans, isn't there, uh, for CERN and what you want to do in the future for you know, new experiments, new projects. So, Leo, for you working on um, that and you know, obviously having your input, I can imagine you would want to come back once you've you know, finished your degree. Um, so in terms of getting involved in those projects, what have you been up to? And what's the responsibility you've had there? Yep. So um, I've been here for the six months. I've been working on numerous things. So my two biggest product uh, projects were one working on the on-detector cooling for this new sub-detector. So as I mentioned before, with these collisions, we're getting charged particles thrown out in all directions. And what the FBCM, or the, that's the name of our subdetector. I don't know why it's just a bunch of letters thrown together. Oh, so it's not uh, an acronym or anything. It, it's it just... is, it is. It's just a very, like, it doesn't make much sense, but it, that's the name <laughs> okay. of it. Well, if you don't make so... sense to you, Theo, that's fine. It's not to me. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So the FBCM is basically two rings. That, so if the beam line is like this, the rings are on either side. And they have silicon sensors, which basically whenever a charged particle goes through, it like, counts it. And so I've done a bit of testing of these silicon sensors. So you take them into the lab, you get a big batch. And we're basically doing sort of quality assurance on these sensors. So testing the capacitance and the uh, current profiles of these. And also how they change when you irradiate them. So radiation is obviously a big a big problem in the detector and after you experience a lot of radiation you're going to see some changes yeah yeah and then so the cooling of these sensors are also quite useful because to reduce the noise and help improve its like resistance to the radiation the, the colder you get them the better it is so i've been working on designing different sort of cooling pipes using like simulations and lab testings um so basically i just run some like simulations using ANSYS um, fiddle with like the shape of the pipe the size the materials and see whatever works the best and Leah how do you get everything to the right temperature so we're using carbon dioxide in mm -hmm. the pipes so the carbon dioxide is running at minus 35 degrees so yeah. we're involving cryogenics here um, it's not as cold as the magnets which are like near zero kelvin 
um, right. but it's still pretty pretty cold fantastic yeah. and um oh I'm gonna talk rubbish here and I'm gonna embarrass myself but Priscilla you know on our last webinar that we ran with you guys you explained to us the 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 is it the atom that you put within the is actually tiny oh no I'm gonna embarrass myself what do you what do you mean maybe maybe but you know the, the, the protons the protons yes the protons the beams, okay yes, yes the beams that goes inside the collider yes, yes you're right yeah yeah learned something there and um, but yeah they are actually really really small aren't they and isn't it something that you can buy from the CERN shop what's it that you can buy you can buy I mean as a souvenir you can yeah. buy the different sort the different kinds of particles and you can even do a test online yes if you go to CERN website I think this is what we're referring to to to, to know like what <laughs> part what what particle matches your personality and if oh, you <laughs> and if you're that excited about it you can go to the CERN souvenir shop and buy your own uh, badge and your own pin of the particular I don't know the particle that that matches you yeah. I forgot which particle ma matches me um but yeah <laughs> um Priscilla just going off slightly um as well about kind of the future of CERN and the projects you know that you know that CERN are wanting to go into in the future and um is there anything that you want to kind of mention within the webinar and the future of CERN and what that's looking like um there is a feasibility project going on I don't know Leo or Laura or Sonia if you are at all involved in that however however small or or, or however yeah I'm not sure but it is the what is called the FCC, which is the Future Circular Collider, if I'm not mistaken, still feasibility study. So we're still, we, we are, we, and we are hiring every year students, graduates, and professionals to evaluate um, how concrete can it become. It hasn't started yet, but it's just going to, I think, essentially just um, collide particles with even, inc even higher temperatures um, yeah. and and hopefully this will bring um even more uh, insights about the the you know wh where we all came from and yeah. the origins of but honestly i would throw it to leo a little bit or laura to um if you can elaborate my non-scientific explanation but this is one that is it's on on our daily radar uh, and i hear yeah. a lot oh we're gonna hire another uh, i don't know like uh, students for the fcc feasibility project Ooh, yeah, and just to kind of, there. sorry to jump in, to um, explain the size of it that it's like hopefully it's going to be um, if the feasibility study goes through. Um, so right now our uh, the LHC, our biggest accelerator, is 27 kilometers long and then yeah. the FCC is supposed to be 100 kilometers long. So yeah. like insanely huge and I think also because of the size, again, I'm not from a scientific background either, but as far as I understand, like because it's so long, we can... Um, accelerate the particles even more, yeah, make them faster, and then uh, gain more more insights and more explanations about um, the particles that exist and and their behavior. But uh, yeah, Leo, we've I, got I no idea when this more. will be built, Barbara. Sorry, we've got any ideas when this will be built? Ooh, mm, that goes uh, beyond my knowledge. <laughs> Soon, future, the future, um. Sorry, Leah, I, I totally rudely interrupted there. Um, so tell us a bit more about your day-to-day -day then. So what's the team like that you're working with? Um, what else have you been involved in? 
Yeah, so um, as I mentioned, it's a pretty small group, but we're yeah. really close knit. So like, I'm pretty like comfortable talking to anyone in the group if I have a certain thing that I'm struggling with, or if I'm like you know looking for a different sort of view on a problem I'm having. Like, it's really easy just to knock on someone's door and be like, "Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is my approach. Do you have any like suggestions?" Yeah. Um, yeah. So in terms of the day to day, I get there around eight thirty. So I live in Mehan, which is very close. Um, and I get here at eight thirty, and I leave around six, so a pretty decent work day. Yeah. And yeah, in terms, I think I've explained most of my work in terms of like the sim- thermal simulations, the testing, and the sensor testing. And I also got to do some sort of data analysis, as the other two I think have also done um, on some data taken over twenty twenty three, which is cool because like from a physics background, like to see like wh- how you're getting these like values, how you're finding out these new measurements. From the existing data was a, a pretty cool yeah. but it was really hard so oh good stuff and when yeah. how long have you got left in your placement Leah? so i have six months left six months left yeah we were saying before this webinar as well how time flies but i'm sure leo you want the next six months to go as slowly as possible <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm staying here okay so want to know a bit more about um you Sonia if that's okay I'm going to come to you next um so just tell us a bit more detail about um obviously your role and you know what life has been like for you so and um, what else have you been working on and um, what else have you been getting involved in um if we can come back to you Sonia if that's okay yeah sure so um my main project is finding defects in the RS cavities yeah. Um, so it's, that's partly, and mine is also like a nine to five job. Um, and um, outside uh, CERN, I like the fact that there's a lot of opportunity to take part in a lot of networking type of events. Yeah. Um, like um, just before the Christmas break, there was the quantum techniques in machine learning conference. And okay. uh, that was a really cool opportunity to learn more about uh, another area, uh, another interesting field. And uh, there was also uh, another workshop called Applied AI Workshop at CERN, which is where other groups who are using artificial intelligence in their projects um, and they're discussing how they've used it. Um, So it's really uh, outside um, when I'm not doing sort of day to day uh, job related tasks, like attending these type of meetings and getting to know other people at CERN who are working on similar projects. I can imagine, Sonia, being at CERN, it's um, kind of crucial to network, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, because there's going to be so much crossover. It's going to help you personally for your knowledge and things like that. It's going to, you know, help everyone to, like you say, put, pulling all in the same direction. So to get involved in these, um, you know, extra conferences and, you know, getting involved in these kind of groups, how would you do that? Is that, um, you know, do you have a a buddy that yeah. kind of helps you with that? Um, or how does it go? Yeah, it's quite easy, I would say, because most of the um, workshops or conferences are automatically advertised and they're distributed um, to the wider community by mail. So mm-hmm. you, if you want to register interest, it's quite easy to do that. And uh, most of them are either held virtually or in person or are mixed. And so, yeah, it's really super easy and quite um, well advertised, I would say. So it's hard to miss. And also to word of mouth, like generally your supervisor team may already know events happening. So um, uh, these are ways you sort of find out about them. And Sonia, how do you manage your time? <laughs> it's a, it's an ongoing effort, I guess. <laughs> um, but um, 
Uh, yeah, I, I sort of, I'm very, I guess, a bit old school. I like to sort of time block my tasks and yeah. uh, work on what's the most important priority um, and sort of, uh, I guess I have this three tasks a day, three most important important tasks a day because that you do find that you have lots of tasks and it's sort of your responsibility to figure out what to work on. Mm -hmm. um, so I find this pretty useful. And yeah, and then it's also important not to sort of, because it can be kind of easy to overwork and yeah. being in a sort of academic sort of research environment. So uh, a lot of my colleagues are better than me and sort of I sort of watch them and sort of, you know, when it's 5.30, 5.30, I sort of call it a day and start again the next day. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's as well. You, you've, you've almost got to do that, haven't you? Yeah. Because, you know, you don't want to have burnout or, you know, not have that time to come away because, again, you might look at it with fresh eyes kind of thing. Um, do you get? Do you feel as though there's that support there, though, to manage your time? Do you feel as though, you know... Yeah, the, for sure. There's not, like, I haven't experienced, like, any pressure as such. It's just no. that it's a very interesting project and you kind of get a bit <laughs> carried away at times. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's the thing. You've got almost to be a bit self-disciplined as well, haven't you? So, yeah. right, I'm going to step away from this yeah. now. Um, so that's really good that you're, you're doing that. So thank you very much for that. So, Laura, I'm going to come back to you. Uh, yeah, just to delve a bit more about your experiences so far at CERN. You've mentioned that you've always wanted to work there, which I totally get. Um, but, yeah, has it met uh, expectations so far? And, again, any other things that you've been involved in? Oh, Laura, you're on, you're on mute. mute. Sorry. Um, yeah, uh, it's definitely met expectations so far. Um, I've got to do a lot of cool things, um, like see some of the detectors. Like Leo said that he'd been to see some of the detectors on the Large Hadron Collider, um, which is pretty cool, and see some of the magnets for the Large Hadron Collider, the, like where they're built. Right. Uh, oh, right. And how do they build, build them on site, do they? Um, I can't. I they put them together on oh, site. Yeah. yeah, like they assemble them together. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so that's was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I forgot to mention before that, um, I work in the mechanical measurements lab, mm -hmm. so um, we're working mostly with um, kind of like the research and development phases of a lot of projects rather than like the actual experiments themselves yeah um and i'm i am slash will be working mostly on um like sensor development with fiber optics so using uh fiber optics to measure things like strain of materials in cryogenic temperatures or high temperatures um or strong magnetic fields or fields with high radiation as well so Laura, how do you decide and kind of have your own career then within CERN? Um, you know, do you kind of get given a project and then see how you like it? If you like it, you can stay there or can you move on? How does it work for you in your role and how do you kind of progress um, into those areas of interest? Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, when I applied, I was given, well, I think we all were, it's certain projects that you could apply for specifically mm -hmm. um so i actually applied to do uh, this job specifically um which is working on fiber optics mm -hmm. uh sensors in cryogenic temperatures um so that is what i will be looking at for i think the two years um and 
I guess if that develops into something else within that two years, then I will, you know, carry on researching that. But uh, at the moment, it is just the cryogenics. Um, And to be quite honest, I'm not too sure what happens after the two years. (laughs) um I guess I'll find out yeah what actually does happen then after those two years um sorry um so uh yes some people they build their career here it's certainly starting as early as a summer student intern for about two months or one month some others like Laura, oh, Laura is actually a graduate, but some others as a as Leo, like as a student for one year, and then these students uh, are just about to finish their their master's degree or their bachelor's degree, or they go back for six months, one year, two years, apply to CERN for an early career origin program, stay two up to three years, whilst at CERN, um, a vacancy for a limited duration staff contract, which is which is aimed at experienced professionals comes up in their team or or any other team at CERN and they apply so they can stay here usually for an additional five years right. plus get an extension for three years and in between these eight years they can apply um, every other year depending on their team's uh, situation for an uh, indefinite position which is called at CERN which usually you know as a permanent position in the UK so it varies there are so many different types of contracts that uh, yeah. people can jump in and out of various different uh, contracts Brilliant. but then yes. um, yeah even for um, for those students or graduates for example that want to go back to their home country or anywhere else like CERN has a really big community and like since yeah. we're so yeah. many pe- people from different backgrounds and um, and then lots of people going abroad again and working somewhere else or starting their own company. Um, yeah. You know, we have um, all those communities that um, publish job opportunities outside of CERN as well. Um, mm-hmm. So we do see CERN as a as a yeah um, jump start or or, or springboard mm-hmm. for your career as well. Yeah, um, and you can almost run it in parallel, I guess, couldn't you? You know, have you separate, then come back, and then yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point to make. So thank you so much for that. Okay, so I want to kind of move away from the day jobs a bit because we've spoke about um all the amazing experiences that you get at CERN and you can have life outside of of the day job and the extracurricular activities you all get to be involved in. So Lee, I'm going to come to you. We've talked about you know being able to Laura mentioned about being able to ski at the weekend. You mentioned you're also going snowboarding but what other things have you been involved at uh, involved in at CERN that's kind of away from your day job yeah like um like outside of like CERN very much understands like a job is the job and like outside they really give you like the space to enjoy yourself and like they give you like lots of like days off and holidays and stuff which is really nice yeah, yeah. um like it's such an international place here like firstly you get to meet people from all over the world mm-hmm. and they're like really cool you get to immerse yourself in different cultures like different ways of thinking which is yeah. really nice um, and also, like, I guess we're in Switzerland, you know, you're surrounded by these, like, wonderful lakes and mountains and, like, everyone here is really active. And, like, for me, who loves activities and trying new things, like, I've spent the past, like, past six months doing stuff like rock climbing, caving, like, via ferratas, like, every weekend I'm out, like, in the mountain or doing something, um, yeah. which is, like, I never thought I'd be able to do, which is really lovely. 
And I think as well, I would say if you're interested in applying to CERN, you know, I think, you know, Priscilla, you nailed it. I was at Bab when you said you don't have to be a noble, you know, prize winner. <laughs> you just want people that are wanting to learn, wanting to go out there and wanting to try something new and get an experience. And even how, you know, again, that work-life balance that, balance that CERN's offering, it seems as though they're encouraging that as well out there. They're encouraging you to go and try something new, go and go and live it and experience it whilst you're here. Um, so yeah perfect I love that Leo it seems as though you are really really living the certain dream so Sonia I'm going to come to you any other experiences that you've had um outside of the day job you mentioned about additional training and things but anything else yeah um yeah uh, CERN offers a lot of training as part of your ongoing professional development so um I have an upcoming SRF workshop and I've asked my supervisor can I do some training on how to give scientific talks because uh it's not something that i've done a lot of and i think that'll be quite handy um but also uh sometimes CERN feels a, a lot like a giant uni campus because of the huge amount of clubs it hosts for uh, the people who work here um so skiing is one of them but also things like book club to if you play an instrument to uh climbing and hiking um and even things like women in tech meetups so um there's so many uh chances to meet people outside work and uh find other areas of interest um yeah. while you work here perfect absolutely brilliant thank you so much Sonia and Laura have you got anything to add to that one as well you're on mute again <laughs> uh just the same as what the other two have said um you know uh I live in Geneva more in the center so it's a nice combination of being in a city but also having so much nature around yeah. you you can just go for a walk or you can go to the mountains it's like an hour away to go snowboarding or hiking yeah. um swimming in the lake um that kind of stuff and it's just so easy to go and do things at the weekend and as Leo said it's they kind of promote quite a good work life balance here <laughs> so at the end of the day like that's it yeah you can just go home and you can just have a life outside of work yeah, yeah. you've got all this amazing stuff on your doorstep which is mm-hmm. is absolutely phenomenal so we're going to talk next a bit about misconceptions or preconceptions so um something i feel like we've talked about already is you know the idea that you I think sometimes, you know, have you got to have done physics to go and work at CERN? Absolutely not. You know, CERN recruit from all STEM disciplines. So I want to see if um, any of you had any misconceptions before joining CERN um, and if you could tell more um, about, you know, what the actual reality is. So, Lee, I'm going to come to you on this one first, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. I, I think the biggest misconception I had about CERN was it will be filled with, like, these super smart, but was, like, intimidating, like, mm straight-faced professors, scientists who, like, you know, no nonsense. Um, yeah. Like, the smart part, like, of course, like, the people here are, like, so creative, like, the ways they solve problems and, like, how unique, like, each one of their ideas are is, like, incredible. But they're so far from intimidating. They're, like, really, really lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they're just, like, we're all, like, really passionate about what we're doing. And I guess, like, that comes through. Like, we're sort of united by our interests, which is physics or in terms of, like, um, even if you're, like, I don't know, in engineering or IT you're interested in like working on something that is used to like perform physics and find out more about like our universe so I think like they're really really patient they're like if you make mistakes they really just like they, they understand like they're human 
yeah. and they're really really lovely and understanding when it comes to training new students or yeah yeah and I think ultimately what brings you all together you've all got that same passion haven't you you want yeah. to you want to find the answer you want to know more um so yeah it's really great that you've said that but yeah the brightest minds and um, with no misconception that they're they're not there to help they're absolutely that uh there to ask questions so brilliant that's really good for you from you Leah and um, Sonia next have you did you have any misconceptions before joining CERN Mm, yeah, I, I guess I didn't realize how a lot of the research branches out in different areas. So, of course, physics in terms of particle physics, but a lot of that research is applicable in areas like medical science, um, environment and like astronomy. So it's sort of interesting how uh, it's not just limited to one area. And uh, I didn't realize that how broad um, the research could really apply to these other areas. Absolutely. Um, which is really interesting. Yeah, and a bit like Barbara said, you with your and um and um admin role. So yeah, anyone applying, if you've got any friends that maybe not from a STEM background, um, you know, why not get your application in? So absolutely. And Laura, have you got anything to add to that one in terms of misconceptions? Um, I mean, my biggest misconception was the same as Leo. I thought that everyone would be really smart, and that if you had a gap in your knowledge or you needed help with something, they'd be a bit you know why why don't you already know this or um I guess because they're so knowledgeable but actually it's the opposite they're so happy to just share their knowledge and help you with things and again like Leo said they'd know that it's the first time that you've worked on something like this uh for a lot of people so they're happy to help and they're really friendly Oh, perfect. Well done. Thanks, Laura. Um, and I think we're going to touch, touch upon relocation because obviously you've all gone through the relocation part of joining CERN. So I think we're going to come to you, Carla, on relocation. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Thanks, everybody. So, we, you know, said the, the roles are based in Geneva. And Barbara, so tell us all about the relocation package and how CERN helps students relocate. Yeah, definitely. Um, So um, since we're kind of sitting across the border a bit um yeah. the first question everybody has to ask themselves is like do I want to live in Switzerland or do I want to live in France and uh, of course there's ups and and or up and downsides um to both of those places I mean if you want to live in Geneva you're right in the city um lots of uh, bars uh, around shops and so on the lake um kind of like in your in your garden or front yard yeah. and um and then if you want to live in France, you're, you might be closer to the mountains and it might be a bit cheaper as well, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, yeah, that's kind of the first first question. Yeah. Of course, um, we always, um, if you're traveling or relocating from outside the area, um, we do support with additional financial support like travel allowance or for graduates, um, relocation benefits. Mm -hmm. um, um, but then in the end, I mean, it's up to you to find your own place. Um, CERN obviously supports. We have our own CERN marketplace where people post um, any openings or, or rooms, uh, flats they might have or rent out. Mm -hmm. um, we um, use a lot of Facebook groups or um, people kind of um, build their own networks a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, we have the hostel as well um, that I mentioned before. So yeah. on our certain sites, we have our own certain hostel um, mm -hmm. where especially, I think, students um, and, and young people um, stay for their first few weeks or months um, mm -hmm. to kind of then find a place while they're in the area and they can visit um, apartments and so on. 
Um, so there are all those options. And then um, since we do have so many um, so many different programs, different durations, we have visiting scientists or, or mm. people who just uh, come here for a few months to do their research and then they leave again, there's a high turnover. So there's always uh, availabilities, always rooms uh, freeing up, um, even sometimes a week or two before um, you come to the area and move here, like you find your place. Um, mm. So it's um it's not as scary as it as it sounds in yeah. the beginning, I'd say. I was just gonna say that it shouldn't put you off because there's obviously lots of help and support there and everybody's in the same boat out there trying to find the accommodation. So tell now Barbara, tell us all about the application process, what that looks like. Yeah, um so um of course the first step is to hop onto Grackcracker and visit our, yeah. our organization hub um and find the job that's for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, once you found the right fit, um, you can apply online. Um, so there's a short form that we ask you to fill out um, just a few questions about yourself and your um, experience or educational background. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously you have to upload all the required documents. So for example, for students, this is usually the CV, a transcript of records, and then also a recommendation letter. Um, by someone from your university. Mm-hmm. Um, for graduates, it's their CV and then their diploma, um, just uh, so we know, um, um, kind of can assess if you're if you're fit for the role and eligible. Um, yeah. And then something I want to mention, like we do ask for your CV, but then also in the form we have those two fields that uh, ask for your educational background and experience. Um, mm-hmm. And even though like you already talk about that in your CV it's really important to to fill those out as well because it's kind of the first thing we see when we open your application so if you want to make a really good impression make sure to to um have something there as well and and kind of explain what you've been working on or or studying um and then something that sorry to be a real pain but sometimes when I speak to students, uh, especially if they're applying for, say, a placement opportunity, maybe less so if they're applying for a graduate one, the, the worry when it says about experience, because they're thinking, mm-hmm. what kind of experience do you want to see? You know, they might never have worked in industry before. So for you, what would be a good example um, in that box? What kind of experience are you wanting to see there, if you don't mind me putting you on the spot? Totally. Um. So I mean, of course, this is not mandatory because, as I said, we don't yeah. expect you to have yeah. a lot of experience or any experience. Um, we're here to train you and to to kind of be that first step in your career even. Um, but you can also include any any university project you've uh, you've been working mm-hmm. on or volunteering experiences. Um, yeah, just any any that's, that's experience what exactly what in your in your you past. Yeah, because yeah, I think sometimes students worry, don't they? Think when they say experience, or it thinks, oh God, what you know, I haven't got any industry experience just yet. What can I mention? You know, what is going to be the right thing to say? So, perfect answer. So, thank you for that. No, yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. So, um, then Priscilla's and my team. So um, us in talent acquisition, we review all those applications and we have a look. And once uh, we mark them as complete and eligible, um, then you're invited to a video interview. But that video interview is asynchronous. So um, if you do it for the first time, it can be a bit uh, intimidating or weird because yeah. there's not going to be another person on the other end. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you're kind of shown a question and then you have a minute to think about it and then two minutes to answer, for example. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's the questions are not hard um, uh, to answer. So they're about yourself, you know. Uh, 
introducing yourself, uh, talking about um, maybe a project you're really proud of that you've worked on in the past. And it's kind of, it's not mandatory either to complete this. So if anybody doesn't want to do it, um, that's fine for us. We won't kick you out of the process. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really an opportunity to kind of showcase your motivation, your passion, um, to support that, to tell us um, not only what you can contribute to CERN and, and our projects, but also what you want to learn um, when you're here and kind of what you're expecting. Um, so that's definitely an important step um, to do. And then uh, at the same time, I mean, we all had to do it, you know, like everybody working yeah, at CERN exactly. or almost everybody went through the step. So we mm -hmm. do know how nervous you can be and, and how nerve wracking um, it might be. So we take that into consideration. So it's nothing yeah. to be scared about. Um, we know um, how yeah. how nervous you can be. And, and You've been there, Barbara. Stutter and, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, after this step, um, so we give you a deadline for completing this interview and then we um, give all our hiring managers access to all the applications and then they review them from, you know, um, a technical or administrative background and, and they really know what they're looking for. So then they have a look and they might contact students or graduates um, for a Zoom interview or a phone call or via email kind of to tell them more about the project um, they're hiring for and, and to get to know the students better and graduates. Um, and then we usually have a selection moment. So that's really when we, um, when hiring managers uh, together with us in talent acquisition, they kind of make their decision and, and tell us um, who they want to hire. Um, and that's when everybody gets uh, notified of results as well. So we don't leave you hanging and uh, kind of in the open. So even if your uh, application is unsuccessful, um, which might happen um, the first time, then um, we let you know. And, and we don't leave you in the dark. Perfect. And turnaround time then? So from applying, if a student is successful, how, how quick can that process be? So um, since we get, um, yeah, we have so many hiring managers looking through yeah. through the pool of candidate uh, candidates, it's it's quite long, I'd say. So, mm -hmm. um, for example, the technical studentship, uh, which closes uh, mid-March, the 11th of March, um, for this um, round, we have the selection beginning of June. Yeah. Um, so in, in those months, that's when hiring managers can reach out to, to students and, and get to know them and so on. And then the earliest start date would be usually two months after, two to three months, um, okay. also depending if you need a visa and so on. And, and that's yeah. obviously something we support with as well. Fantastic. And hints and tips then. So I'm going to come to, to both of you, Priscilla and Barbara. And uh, so I don't know if you would take a better breath, Barbara, and come to you, Priscilla, first. So what, what hints and tips would you give students to uh, make them shine throughout the interview process? Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll say some words. I just wanted to get back, actually, we were talking about the future of CERN, the future of high physics quickly, yeah. and when was going to start. And I was like, I didn't know know by heart because it's been a while that I haven't been you know in touch with the FCC like recent developments but actually like I'll be retired by the time it's going to be, <laughs> if, if it does proceed right, we are talking okay. about two decades you know minimum oh, start everything we're not even confirmed if it's going to 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 you know to be done so anyway oh, not to say I probably put you on the spot there so. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> just the future um, um, please okay. I should study more you know this evening about the FCC <laughs> um, 
And tips and, and no no problem at all. Tips and 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 hints. Uh, one thing that I wanted to make clear: three, only three percent of the CERN professionals are actually physicists. Yeah. Just to emphasize how yes, they are the core of CERN. They are the reason we are here. Our particle phys yeah. uh, physics study, but we have a whole um, supporting structure of people that works in our in our X in various different areas and many different engineerings. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing actually we will, we, as you mentioned at the beginning, Jessica, we have, we are partnering with Brad Cracker for already six years and yes. for sure for the years to come because it it is the most successful platform for us in the UK when, when it comes to attracting students. So please keep checking out our profile on Brad Cracker. But on, when you apply actually to CERN, uh, there is one of the questions is to feel your motivation why you're applying to 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 this to this program. So mm -hmm. make good use. I feel like it's just a classical tip, but take time before you even submit the application. Put out in a word document or any other sort of um, uh, yeah uh, supporting um, tool that you wish to about what do you think that CERN what you can contribute to CERN and yeah. what. Uh, also, CERN can, can contribute to your career. So because it's a mutual, you know, uh, contract. If you want to add documents as well, such as a cover letter and references, do so. Some jobs are not mandatory references, like the early career program. So when you are a graduate, students are mandatory. If you want to submit more than one reference, you can just make sure that you upload those documents uh, before submitting as well. Mm -hmm. Another one that... People think, really, you're talking about it, but it's so important. Yeah. Submit a neat application. Mm -hmm. What I'm talking about. So when you fill the your basic information on the smart recruiters, which is our eight applicant tracking system to apply mm -hmm. to a position to CERN, you apply via Greg Cracker, but it's gonna give you, it's gonna bring you to the smart uh, recruiters application. Mm -hmm. um, there is a part that is your work experience, which Barbara touched on it, and yeah. also the the importance of filling manually this and the educational background. In the educational background, leave it to only like academic university academic qualifications. Or if you didn't go to university, this kind of in the UK um, NVQ and the uh, tech qualification so these professional qualifications that are like they really gave you a, a um one two three years four years or even more uh, a degree or a certification so for what I avoid for example adding there lists of like summer yeah. courses like mm -hmm. I, I did a java 10-hour course online because it becomes so big for a recruiter and for a supervisor to kind of like okay where is actually the the re like not the I, I don't want to say the other ones are not relevant, but mm -hmm. what are the the crucial to CERN for for yeah. example for the student program is that you are a bachelor or a master student, mm -hmm. and and leave the extracurricular <laughs> to somewhere else in your CV like additional courses that complements and 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 uh, you and make you a, a well-rounded uh, candidate to CERN. Yeah, and if you don't mind, last but not least, when you have to, when you when we mark your application as complete recruiters and we send this uh, video the recorded interview that you can do on demand whenever you like and it's going to be attached into your application. So we have the static application and the video just to, to support your static application. Mm 
which is called the modern hire for us. Mm-hmm. When you are describe, when you are giving examples, if it's if it comes to questions about describing projects, etc., use the start technique. Just just search what the start technique means, but it's going to support you, not losing you know crucial points to describe mm-hmm. something that you achieved or a project you were being involved on. So which stands for a situation to give you the co- to give the context of a specific challenge you face or project task, what was your role and responsibility? A lot of people, a lot of students and graduates, professionals, when they come to explain the task, they focus too much on the team. Oh, the team had to do A, B, and C. And the team, did. it's okay. We always work on our team. But in that particular moment, don't forget what was your responsibility on that particular task and project. Actions, overview of what you've done. Mm-hmm. and main steps of the project and then they are the star is results what did go well how was the feedback what could have improved any lessons yeah learned and mm-hmm. so on um yeah perfect, perfect. yeah perfect snippet <laughs> barbara is there anything that you wanted to add um just uh priscilla mentioned the motivation and uh that that's quite important and i just want to say like be specific in your motivation so we we do see lots of applications that just say it's always been my dream to work at CERN and while like we totally get it and um, we agree um, (laughs) it's important for us to know as Priscilla said to kind of know why you want to work at CERN and what you want to learn from from the project here your time here and um, and then also how you can contribute and what you've learned um, before and so on so that would be my tip just be very specific in your motivation Perfect. Brilliant. Thank you very, very much. I am going to, I know we're ever running, but I do want the cool and interesting facts about CERN because I think they are going to be cool and very interesting. So I'm going to scoot around the room and Leo, I'm going to start with you. And so what is your interesting cool fact about CERN? Okay. Uh, So one cool fact I think is CERN doesn't just uh, collect protons to discover new particles. They also have an experiment which makes their own antimatter. Um, So this is called the ELENA and it's their antiproton decelerator. And it makes around 100 billion antiprotons a day. And like, when I first heard this, I was like, you know, like, since like, you know, um, learning physics, we talk about that at the start of the universe, all the antimatter disappeared because they were annihilated. And it's like crazy to think about that. We haven't had this much antimatter since the very start of the universe. And like, I was like standing in the experiment and there's like these vats or like these places where they store these like anti-hydrogen, which they make by like, getting an anti-proton, getting an anti-electron and just like making them meet. Um, and like things like that, it's just like, it's incredible how far we've managed to come. Yeah. And like just standing in front of it, I was like, this is like really cool. But, yeah, that's part of it, Leo. Is this story, how does that describe what you mean by story? What in like... So, I mean, we, we, I don't think it's like glass, you can't see it. So it's like oh. they use a magnetic field to sort of trap um, right. the antimatter. And I think... They can probably hold it for like a couple of hours. Like it's not like a long time storage, but uh-huh. like they can keep it there without like because the problem with antimatter is the second it comes with normal matter, it just like disappears. So they're trying to like keep it there and like not let it touch real matter, which is quite hard to do in a world of real matter. So yeah. Blows my mind. I know it blows my mind as well. Thank you very much, Leah. And Sonia, what would be your cool fact? Um, yeah, just echoing from Leo, uh, as well as the amazing scientific achievements at CERN, uh, the World Wide Web was also originally conceived at CERN and developed here um, as a way of exchanging and communicating ideas between scientists. And since then, it's sort of grown 
uh, to how we interact today. So there goes also different ways of uh, how uh, research and innovation takes place here. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, Sonia. And Laura? Um, my favourite fact is that the Large Hadron Collider is colder than space. Oh, and how cold is that? Um, so the Large Hadron Collider is about 1.9 Kelvin or um, minus 271 Celsius. And I'm running because it's minus four today, so that's going to be very cold. <laughs> Thank you very, very much, everybody. Um, what can, can I, I say, Jessica? Carla, can I just say something? Sorry. Oh, she to the um, Jessica and Carla, and we're, I always see you're so curious to ask these questions about cable. Where do you store these particles? What happens? How do you dispose it? Where do you dispose it? When you, hopefully, you, when you come to visit us, uh, when you come oh, to visit oh us, we can ask all these questions offline, <laughs> yeah. like to Leo. And, yeah. <laughs> We're going Sorry, to go yeah. visit uh, soon, basically, aren't we, Jess? So one day, one day before I mean, we we're going to go visit before COVID. Um, but now it's yeah, it's it's definitely going to be in the diary for the next coming coming years. Um, but thank you very much, everybody. It's been an amazing webinar as always with CERN. Um, don't forget to get your applications in. Go to the CERN hub on Gradcracker, apply, follow, and then hopefully in the next couple of months you'll meet Barbara and Priscilla. And um, so good luck and. Um, me and Jess are back on Monday, so not Thursday next week, Monday next week when we're joined by Experian. But for now, thank you all for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure and we'll speak to you all again soon. Good luck with your applications. Bye-bye. Thanks for having us. Thanks, no thank, you. Bye. thank you. Bye.